0: Visit ViralGrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.
1: Welcome to today's episode of
2: Brave Commerce. I'm Rachel Tippograph, the founder and CEO of Micmac. I'm Sarah Hofsetter, president of Profitero. And this is a show that talks about what's relevant in e-commerce for the world's biggest brands. staying at home, no wonder home improvement sales have skyrocketed. I was doing my favorite activity of reading companies' quarterly earning reports, and in Q3, Lowe's posted over a 34% jump in year-over-year comparable sales to its second quarter with 35% of it coming from growth in e-com.
1: Yeah, I love how Lowe's CEO said, and I quote, we're looking forward to building on this momentum on the back half of 2020 and for years to come. You look at the moves that our dear friend, Marissa Thalberg, Lowe's new chief brand and marketing officer is making, bringing the retailer to New York Fashion Week, making the world realize you can buy items like Google Mini and Roku there, and you can easily see into the future about how brand perception of flows is about to change forever
2: well let's bring onto the show one of the world's best marketers and our dear friend marissa thalberg
1: she's all right <laughs> i'll take her
3: i mean whatever i love you i'm so happy you're here you're both my favorites but clearly now advantage rachel let's see how this party goes and
1: we'll see if it gets shaken up a little bit let me see if i can earn my way back
3: I love that I've known you both for years, which is going to make this even more fun. It's
2: true. And we both miss you dearly in New York. You're now way closer to us in Charlotte. You've moved around a bunch recently, not just coast to coast, but you know, across companies. You're one of the top CMOs worldwide. And unlike so many of your peers, your DNA is different. You really come from digital. You come from e-commerce. I'd love to hear like, how you thought about your career
3: moves going from Estee Lauder to Taco Bell and now to Lowe's. Yeah, thank you. And, and it's funny, I guess it feels like I've moved around a lot, but I've been fortunate to have some pretty good tenured stints at the Estee Lauder companies. I was there for eight years and a lot happened in those eight years. The move to go from not just luxury beauty to fast food, but from New York to California was really personally profound because we were never, as a family, ever going to leave New York. But the opportunity was such that we went for it. And here for five years later, I made a move once again. I guess maybe now moving industries wasn't so surprising to now go from fast food to giant home improvement, big box retail, but the move to Charlotte, North Carolina, I think, was one that no one, most certainly including me, could have ever predicted. But, you know, life is a little bit of an adventure. And it just shows that the answer to your question is, it's hard to perfectly plan out your career along with your life. And you sort of have to guide the road and let the road guide you. And somewhere in that in that dance, the good things happen. Listen, the funny thing about from when I know you both is i was really a digital person at that point a digital marketer and i was an early and and hopefully kind of thought of as a leading digital marketer for me the funny thing was i always felt like the emphasis should be on the word marketer but because digital was so new and a lot of people weren't getting the plot fast enough that the emphasis became on the word digital and i thought that was funny at times because Unlike peers and and people that became part of my larger industry community because of my role, who were really, really tech savvy. I'm still not, but I understood, and I think this is our job as marketers, that the world was changing. And, you know, the <laughs> maybe this is being a little too self-deprecating, but that adage in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man was king. I mean, I just was a little bit ahead, but I had a curiosity and um, a passion for figuring out where the world was going and then figuring out how to translate it into the organization and the brands for which I worked. So fast forward to then going to Taco Bell, I was ready to stop having the emphasis be on the word digital, because in a way, mission completed. Now it was just an integrated part of marketing again. And I didn't want to be pigeonholed as a digital person. I want to go back to being a marketer who really had a good digital background to meet the needs of Modern marketing today. In a way, now you look back and that narrative makes sense. But of course, when you're in it, you always wonder if you're going to be able to navigate it the right way.
1: I just thought you were one of those people that just didn't want to be typecast. <laughs> and frankly, you shouldn't be. Yeah. Because if you're multidisciplinary in nature, why would you ever want to be like, oh, I'm a CPG person? I find that very limiting. And it's true, your tenure at each of these roles obviously tenure at Lowe's being relatively short given, you know, you started this year, but you've had enough time at each one of these companies and in each of these industries to really bring the richness of marketing to that vertical, regardless of what that vertical was. You were very early in what you were doing at Estee Lauder. You were very early in digital for beauty. Beauty brands were not ready to be digitally savvy. You were very provocative on QSR for all the work you did at Taco Bell. So, You've already made some really interesting moves at Liz, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But as you look at the the breadth of it all, what are the similarities and differences between these industries when it comes to brand building and commerce?
3: That to me is, in some ways, the, the particular joy and pleasure that I get out of, or I realize I've gotten out of making these unexpected really different industry moves is it it does take some guts and I don't think of myself as particularly gutsy, which is funny. Really? I I don't know. I guess it's just, um, you know, I had a very, very dear friend who was a dynamo And her possibilities were simply unlimited. And she was on a fast trajectory in business, and was diagnosed with cancer, and started an organization that is now nationally known called Cycle for Survival, which is like the largest. I'm getting to a point here, the largest patient-initiated or fundraiser in the country. Okay, exceptional. In her own journey, I mean, she was fighting cancer. She's starting this whole thing. She started this blog called You Fearless, and her whole platform was about being fearless and. After she passed away and my mom was very ill, I, I wrote a thing that was in the Huffington Post about wrestling with this idea of being fearless. Like, it, I'm really, and my, one of my favorite quotes is that famous quote that's been attributed to a few different people, including, I think, Nelson Mandela about, like, courage is not the absence of fear, it's having fear and kind of doing it anyway. So that's more how I think of myself is I'm always filled with fear, but somehow I keep plodding forward and doing these things because I get ambitious and excited. And I do love a great new challenge and being able to solve interesting new problems. So it's more about that and just wanting to continue to develop and grow and, and, and have an impact, honestly. So that's been it much more so than having any self-definition of thinking I'm particularly brave or just keep doing these things now in the past decade or two. So the advantage when you do do it is that you have no choice but to be uncomfortable. And you have to live in that discomfort of not being the expert in the industry that you're entering. And it takes us really strange oxymoron of being confident and humble at the same time. But I think that's modern for leaders. And the digital world brought that, right? Because we all finally had to, at some point, recognize no one was going to be expert in all of it. It was just moving too fast and changing. And anyone who pretended to have all the answers was disingenuous. So for me, like, of course, I'm still learning home improvement. I'm on the executive team of one of the largest companies in the entire country. And there's a lot of terminology I'm still learning, even though I'm at the management team of the company. But I also have confidence that I'm bringing an expertise and a new perspective and can bring lateral thinking to not just play the standard tricks of the industry, but to imbibe all this new industry intelligence and then combine it with the different things I've done and try to do something really, really great and differentiated with it. I mean,
2: I think what you just said is what so many people need to embody uh, to really believe and have confidence in their unique perspective. Now, on the topic of unique perspective, given that you've put yourself in this daring seat, maybe you wouldn't describe it that way, of beauty, of QSR, of now home improvement, What's consistent and what's different across these industries?
3: Well, I mean, of course, what's consistent for us as marketers, we're just talking to people. So you get at people's underlying needs and wants and what's essential, what's, what's just a desire, and you start to Tap that in the, sort of the same process that I think you would with with any company with any brand with any product or with any service and and that to me is absolutely consistent i I presented as my third day on the job at lowe 's was our annual store managers meeting convention in Vegas I mean three thousand people what an amazing way for me to start I had to get up on stage and introduce myself and I showed. A slide that had a picture of La Mer, which is one of the most luxurious skincare products in the portfolio of the Estee Lauder companies. And then next to it is like a taco. So those, and then next to it is a couple doing home improvement and just had question marks between those pictures. So, of course, the obvious is these things have no connection to each other. And I like challenging that idea and saying, well, let's find the connections. These are about tapping people's dreams or cravings or, you know, wanting to make themselves feel a little better in some way. And when you get down to those fundamentals, you're like, oh, actually, they're all really related. Just how you go about it is, of course, going to be very, very different. What the specifics are, are, of course, wildly different. But when you get down to the psychology and then how you think about these big brands interplaying and in culture, which is my other favorite part of what we get to do, you just bring that kind of strategic thinking to it and creativity and, and then you're equipped. Well, you have
1: a different canvas to paint this time. Joining Glow's right before the pandemic,
3: or actually as the pandemic was starting, you get to fly to Vegas. Was that your last flight, that flight to Vegas? It wasn't, but it wasn't too much later. I, you know, it's just how your perspective changes. I was supposed to be commuting back and forth across country from February to June so that my younger daughter could finish eighth grade and then we would move. And I was terrified. I mean, that was my big fear was how am I going to manage this cross country life? And I'd never been away that much. I mean, I've always traveled for business. And I went back and forth and I had this corporate apartment. I was just sort of trying to embrace this period. After a couple of weeks back and forth, I was coming back to California for a few days on the ground and I was like, okay, I've got this. And that was the point at which this was maybe March 6th or somewhere around there, March 9th, I can't remember. I remember people were more cognizant about traveling now with wipes, like the word was sort of out. (laughs) but no one was even doing masks. I mean, it was still just like, oh. And I sat next to a business traveler who was older and we both sort of acknowledged each other with surprise and like, oh, look at us doing the wipes and then never went back. That next week was when California started locking down as the first state that locked down. And I never went back until I think the first time was for our board of directors meeting in the first week of June. It's crazy.
1: I've been trying to figure out, you know, why did we get this pandemic? And it's clearly so that you could be with your family <laughs> so that Avery could finish eighth grade.
3: Uh-huh. There's
1: there's no other explanation. I, I wanted my son back from Israel. These are the things that happen. High of a price to pay. I think we can all agree. Yeah, no, way too high <laughs> a price to pay. I'm just trying to find the silver lining in this. But you joined Lowe's during a pandemic. I started a new job. A couple of weeks after that, yeah. also just bananas, how have you approached joining a brand new team virtually while thinking through a structure, implementing change, just even getting to know people? You know, you have a very charismatic personality that translates okay over video, but like, how do you build these bonds? How do you think about
3: change? Sarah's being a little harsh on me, Rachel. What do you think? I don't know have a big challenge and I know that you're up for the task for solving it and I, I want to hear how you've been building these relationships. At some point I'll have to look in this review mirror and like write this all down because it, it's pretty unbelievable, like bordering on profound to have taken this challenge. I think we're the 40th or now 42nd largest company in the country, second largest home improvement retailer in the world, all about home, and within less than a month, less than a month of being on the job, we are in a global pandemic that has literally forced everyone's relationship with home to be utterly changed and focused on like never before in our collective lifetime. Wow, right? I feel lucky when so many people have just found themselves in businesses, whether it's travel or hospitality or whatever, That we're, you know, the situation was much more of a crisis for us. It was like anything else. What do we do? And in some ways, again, not really being lighthearted about this, but in some ways I had to look at it as a gift of forcing everything to change. Whereas if things were just humming right along, the rules of big box retail marketing, which I was fearful were going to be hard to change. Suddenly it was like, it would have been absolutely unseemly to be marketing, you know, the typical retail promotions when the last thing you wanted to be doing is seeing as you are unduly driving traffic to stores. We were considered fortunate just to be open because we were an essential retailer when the whole world locked down, and we are an essential retailer. Figuring that out at the same time, I'm really just onboarding. Again, I I, I do think the world of you. I hope you know this by
1: now. <laughs> One of the things that I actually found incredibly fascinating was seeing how rapidly you guys were able to change your communications based on COVID. And it wasn't any of that BS in these unprecedented times, like focusing on products that focused on safety, DIY things. There were so many different things from whether it was small disposable content to holistic brand campaigns. You guys pivoted incredibly quickly to the degree that you wouldn't even know that you've been in the job for for just a couple of weeks
3: That's that's a lovely compliment because it was hard, you know, knowing that part of my remit from my CEO, who I admire so much, Marvin Ellison, in hiring me was to do a really total transformation. And that includes, you know, having to rethink your whole team, your structure, your talent, all those things. And I'm in the absolute infancy of that and have this incredible right hand woman who, I mean, has been an unbelievable partner and fortunately has been in the company for a long time. So she's been indispensable. Then trying to just get a few people together to get on board, it involved bringing some outside partners in whom I didn't, you know, I didn't have the luxury of time to be really methodical and think about, do you pitch this? It was much more about grab people who already, I believe in their talent, speak my language. And that's really how, stuff got done in the beginning. And it went from triage mode where you're taking everything that was out already, already produced and just saying, what do you scrap? What do you fix? And this was not me putting yet my imprint on it. This was just like, what is viable right now? And then starting to say what's next and how do we want to communicate? But, you know, having done all that, and it feels like dog ears, really, each of these months and the the phases of it. I, I also feel like I'm just getting going here, just starting to figure out how to really take this brand forward and 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 drive the company in the right way in this really really profoundly different time.
2: So you're you're balancing employee motivations and behaviors. You're bringing in external parties, and then
3: I'm sure at the center of all of this is the consumer, the customer. Yeah, very much so. And of course, it takes time. To really understand that the interesting new dynamic for me, we talked about what's similar, what's different is very different for me is the fact that in the world of Lowe's, there are two very big, different consumer groups. One is the general consumer. We call them the DIY, right? The DIY consumer, do it yourself. But then there's also the professional Consumer or customer, and even within that, there's so many different types of pros that could shop at Lowe's. You know, there's a lot of complexity to figure out. It's not as simple as a nice little CPG product that it's like, well, people who brush their teeth—that's the target. I mean, this is really, really common. and because it's retail, third-party reach—it's not just about like with Taco Bell. It was my team that was designing the product, controlling the product. Here, you're selling everyone else's brands. And so it's really fascinating. It's really complex. But ultimately, it feels like a lot of um, blue sky to build a relationship right now when people are still focused on home and to really be there for people when their needs have never been higher and their aspirations have also never been higher. So how to plug into that with relevance and obviously not look exploitive of the moment, but really genuinely be there and, and also help people understand all the things we have that you might not have even known we have. That's part of really unlocking this brand. And, and that part's really exciting to me. Do you see different behaviors between your e customer versus your brick and mortar customer? It's really hard to say at this point, I will tell you, and this is not going to surprise either of you, that, of course, our e-commerce business has just really had gigantic growth during this period, of course, as more and more people have really, really adoption of, I mean, we all think adoption of e-com was high, but, you know, just the spike since this period. And first of all, I mean, one of the the good news pieces of, of this story is that, we were able to sustain that because there were a lot of fundamentals that Lowe's needed to put into place as this whole new management team. I'm in the, the last of this new management team to join, actually. It's really all, you know, a new team has been working on tech fundamentals, retail, operational fundamentals, merchandising fundamentals. So I actually feel quite lucky that, they have that head start to fix that. So marketing needs to build on top of a strong foundation. Otherwise you're making a promise to consumers that you can't keep. And one of the hard parts is the whole world of retail is challenged right now with inventory and supply chain and people are are frustrated. They're not really that understanding if you ordered an appliance and now the delivery date's delayed, they're angry. But the reality is these are big global issues. And so, how do you intervene even on that level as part of your relationship with customers and try to make them understand and do right by them? It's 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 very, very complicated.
1: When you think about it through the lens of
3: either one of your
1: consumer segments, whether that's the pro or the, or the DIY, the fact that they're still frustrated obviously has got to be pretty frustrating in and of, in and of itself. For goodness sakes, well, most aren't right. Yeah. I think at this point I've acknowledged when I, I am and I'm not going to get disinfectant wipes. And the answer is <laughs> I mean, never, I'm going to have to spray my disinfectant on a paper towel, like a plebeian. And that's just the way it's going to be. I get it. Yeah. But with, has there been any product or any, any product segment that has been flying off the shelf that surprised you that said, okay, fine. Like I know about the, you know, the wipes and the toilet paper, but like, I had spoken with somebody in the light bulb business and she's like, light bulbs are changing like that because people are home more, they're turning their lights on more. And I'm like, Oh, I didn't didn't really think about that. Like, is there anything that's particularly surprising that's flying off?
3: Yeah. Early on in this pandemic journey that we've been on, I was having a conversation with a fellow retail CMO and uh, we were both sort of noting that you can kind of read the tea leaves of the phases people are going through in terms of where the demand was kind of changing. So you're right; in the beginning, it was all about cleaning products and his business. You know, first it was grocery, and then he said there was a day where they had a complete and utter run on scarves because that was the day when the CDC said everyone had to have face masks. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of you know again so fascinating how we can really feel the pulse of the country in in businesses of this scale. And for us, it's definitely when we were hitting the early months of the summer. I mean, things that had to do with your backyard were just trending in a really big way. People were recognizing me now it's desks and things related to home office and back to school. Air filters and things that are allowing you to have a cleaner, safer home. I mean, it all, it's it actually is extremely intuitive. I bet you could even guess at what some of these things are. But then, interestingly, a lot of categories in our business because people, both for functional reasons and I think also call them emotional reasons, are doing a lot in their homes right now. Uh, so, of course, that's been been good, but how do we satisfy the demand and help guide people to opportunities and really help them make home as good as it can be is, um, I think, a pretty cool mission to be on right now.
1: Oh, absolutely. And being able to both satisfy demand as well as inspire certain kinds of actions and behaviors is one of the biggest challenges as a marketer and as a, particularly as a retail marketer, right? There's always going to be demand for certain things. People walk into a a grocery store for a gallon of milk. They walk out with a whole bunch of things. That was like the one time I went, I went to Costco and I came out with a grandfather clock and a bag of broccoli. (laughs) Like that only takes the cake to when I went out for diapers and beer. um, And the cashier was looking at me like you're such a deadbeat, but that's a conversation for another day.
2: One of the dynamics that we're seeing during the pandemic from a retailer standpoint is retail as media. And Marissa, given your background, you know, I'd love to hear how maybe Lowe's is thinking about their media business or even you just pontificating, you know, we just saw CBS come out with their media group. Macy's is now boasting about theirs. All of a sudden retail media
3: is sexy. Yeah. I mean, we're not there yet, but it's definitely something we're having conversations about and, it does make sense. I mean when you're in the world of retail what's not new uh, to any of those players you mentioned or to us is you partnership with your vendors and your suppliers and when we incorporate them in our in our storytelling and and listen, when we're driving great results for Lowe's, it means we're driving great results for those products that we sell. It is symbiotic and so you want the relationship to be symbiotic too. But listen, in some ways, no different from the fact that the whole world, I, and this going back to my digital days, there was, I think if you looked at traditional media companies, part of what they weren't getting, let's call it 10 years ago now, was the fact that the power dynamic of pure buyer-seller was fundamentally shifted if you as the Buyer Now could aggregate an audience as much as the seller of that audience could with, you know, a few million people on your Facebook page or traffic to your own website, etc. So, you know, this is really not in that sense, a new idea. It's thinking about the fact that brands have power through digital and social media in particular. To aggregate an audience, but the other way to think about it is well, we aggregate an audience every day in our store. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. And in fact, it's one of the things that
1: is possibly intended, possibly unintended consequence, depending on the level of benefit of the doubt you want to give here. But retail media is becoming the new world garden. So if you can aggregate your audience and you get your own first party data and you're able to be able to do that, having a symbiotic relationship between supplier and retailer is the most important thing in making them beholden to you versus being able to democratize where and how you put your money based on where the audience is. As a marketer
3: and as a retailer, you clearly are getting it and bravo to you. Oh, well, listen, there's an incredible team here and that's not just like false modesty. I mean, it really is. It, it, it One of the big, going back to the what's different, what's the same, this is the first stop in my career where marketing isn't like the center of the action, the hub of, but because that's not traditionally how at least big box retail is, you know, it's so operations and merchandising driven. And, and my view is there's room and necessity for the consumer to be at the table. And that's what I think marketing is the, you know, champion of most of all, as we've been discussing. So To me, that gets very exciting to bring that perspective further forward and to really think differently about what it means to excite, disrupt the thinking of people that are current customers or could be, or someone who has that like, oh yeah, I like Lowe's, but doesn't have a real feeling about it or... Or what we've just been doing or with New York Fashion Week now. And why I'm excited about that is we sell all this amazing decor, particularly on Lowe's.com, where there's just so much more inventory. And people don't know. People just don't associate it. So, you know, you do something like that, and it's, it's just, to me, a little bit of a shot in the arm of, of perception changing because it, it's not expected. And that's what makes it interesting to me. And I think to other people too, and you know, people really actually like to be surprised and intrigued by good marketing. That's the, we all talk about marketing. Like it's, you know, oh, it's, it's so pedestrian or it's just this, but, but people have become so savvy that I think the, the armchair critics um, are not always critical. They sometimes will really appreciate it when it's something cool and interesting and engaging. Now
2: I thought New York fashion week was so refreshing and clever and spot on. Uh, I'm excited for Lowe's and you around that. You have a global seat uh, throughout your career. You see so many different industry dynamics. What do you think marketers should be thinking about going into 2021?
3: Well, trying to think of something just not totally cliche to say, because I mean, the first thing that I thought of is we've just got to continue to be on our toes because we just, More than ever, just don't really know. I mean, when will, when, what will, what will the world look like? Um, How do we, how do we tell stories that? connect with people in the right ways for the times in which we're in. And I mean, one of the most fascinating things purely through the lens of marketing, of course, not on the broader societal level of what happened in the first couple of months of COVID is, do you remember when everyone was sort of changing their marketing? And then there was a lot of Sarah, I think you were joking in these unprecedented times, or there was a little bit of a sea of sameness and, you know, Here's the thing I'll say about that in defense of my fellow marketers is when marketing, marketing is insight driven and there's rarely been a time where we were all literally trying to figure out the same insight. The box actually was really very small. That you had to figure out how to acknowledge what was going on in the world, relate to it, and try to make f- people feel okay to be spoken to at that point. So I actually think that's very interesting rather than just say, "Ugh, there wasn't creativity. I actually think it's a reflection of there was a universal insight in the world and everyone was plucking it at exactly the same time. So no one realized they were all coming up with the same answer to that insight at the same time until it all hit at the same time. I love that. I blame the ad agencies. I don't know. Well, I don't know. You know, some creativity, of course, was better than you know. Some executions of it were way better than others. That's where I guess the creativity creativity comes in. But but my point is that you can sort of see then the journey happening, and 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 sort of and and that's where back to the question of so what does it mean? Is I think just sort of like being true to yourself and what your brand or company or service is bringing to the table. Like you got to find the truth in that and then relate it to the world, you can't suddenly be something you're not ever, but particularly in a time when it's uncertain, because I don't think that's how you win. I think you've got to find a way to bring out your inherent, like, what can you, What? where do you fit in, in this worldview right now? And if it requires adapting, you got to adapt, but it still has to come from some place of recognizability, some place of truth, or I just don't think people are ready for it. That I agree with. I completely agree with
1: that. And I, I agree that the universal insight is, we're scared, we're confused, we're alone, and we're not really sure what the hell to do. And, and being able to play the empathy card 100%. I just happen to think a some did it better than others. And I think you guys,
3: I think you guys just did it really well, because at least you made it true to your brand. There's consumer insight, and there's brand. And, and I will tell you, it was one of our first little salvos. I would have called it a baby step forward. I mean, this was with really agency I didn't really know very well. Really, again, trying to figure out what to do. And one of the ideas was sort of picking up on the fact that there were people were starting to hang banners in support of frontline workers, healthcare workers. But Until we really recognized that what it was, was a little bit of a grassroots DIY activity. Suddenly that, that recognition was like, okay, well, that's why it has something to do with Lowe's and also show that we didn't have to be commercial about it. We weren't asking you to come to Lowe's to buy materials, to make it. We put on our website, how to use existing like materials that you had at home to do these things. Like what we wanted to be is in there with you and a fellow a fellow participant in gratitude and enabling gratitude in a communal sense as, as representing kind of the world of DIY. And I think that was totally so, so different for Lowe's. I mean, you know, we were typically just going to be doing very, very retail marketing, but I think Sarah to that point, it made it, then the hashtag was build Thanks. Like it was like, Oh, that actually, yeah, that, that gave us, so it was tied to something true to the brand. And I think of some of the quote crazier things I've done on a marketing level, or they're seen as that way. They're not because they're always tied to a real business objective and a cool, Ooh. interesting truth or insight that would blow some creative wind on. And that's when the great stuff happens was when first it surprises you. And then second, you're like, Oh, but that actually makes sense.
1: Taco Bell hotel. I mean, that was that, that was, that was a brilliant move.
3: And the Taco Bell it all couldn't have happened year one. It was a process. I mean, I didn't think I could do New York Fashion Week in Lowe's in the first six months, so you never know. But it was a progression of getting the brand there that started with some other things we did. Like you said, weddings in our Las Vegas location and our Forever 21. And suddenly the brand really was playing as a lifestyle brand. And then a hotel was like the ultimate manifestation of the lifestyle all in one big experience but in a weird way it made sense and it was not done as a joke that's the other thing it was an amazing experience which is what made it so good it wasn't a gimmick
1: oh it worked and it was it was true to brand it rewarded loyalists it it was breakthrough and i think that that goes back to what you were doing with the healthcare workers it's how you break through it be relevant be on brand but be empathetic to your consumer which is well, I think you guys did such a, a rocking job on that. Rachel, I think it's time. I think it's time. Final question. Even though Marissa kind of answered this question eight times over. Ready?
2: Sure. We call this podcast Brave Commerce for a reason. We want to know, what is the bravest thing that you've ever done? Personal or professional?
3: Hmm. Well, I do feel the bravest thing was moving because it was just such uh, such a change of life and and more about just sort of wrestling with identity, right? I'm mean, talking about whether you see yourself as brave. But I really identified myself as a New Yorker. And that was part of how I saw my brand since we're talking about brands. And so had I not done that, I probably wouldn't have recognized that well, I'm still that person. I'm just now having this new experience and new place, but I'm still that person. And, and now that gave me the confidence to be like, well, I'm not. So now I'm going to Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm still that person. And it's allowed my family and me to, to open up to some, and have some really amazing things happen. So, so that's the half business, half personal question, because I held back on a lot of opportunities for many years because, of family reasons and not wanting to make that move. So it did, it did feel like that took some bravery and it wound up being an incredible, incredible career and life step that I took, but also my family took.
1: Well, you are an executive mom.
3: That's right. That,
1: that is who you are, first and
2: foremost. I would think the Thalbergs are an executive family. I think one of the things that I've always admired is how you really are a team and the unit is a part of your career. And it's, it's been a, you're a role model to me in that way and how you can build your life and work together.
3: You know, I think um, it's really lovely to acknowledge that because too often that does get left out of the narrative. And I could probably pontificate a bit on the differences and how that is still today for women and in, in, with big careers versus men. But I feel immensely grateful that I have a supportive husband who had, you know, has his own career, but mine's been more in the driver's seat. And we've just both made that work and our kids have been unbelievably, uh, it doesn't mean it's not without pain, right? Like change is hard. Change has pain, like life has pain, but they are fundamentally amazing supportive kids. And I also believe that they're learning lessons in resilience, which I think will serve them well as adults.
1: I think your daughters have a lot to look up to, That's but uh, in both you and David. Thank you. What was the last thing you bought online?
3: Uh, oh, this is so perfect because I actually really can tell you that my last purchase online was from Lowe's.com last night. <laughs> so it's totally true. I can show you the receipt. Um, so we dropped, and I'm saying dropped, these designer curations that in conjunction with what we're doing for New York Fashion Week. Uh, the three designers we're partnering with are Jason Wu, Rebecca Minkoff, and Christian Siriano. I mean, amazing, amazing people. We're helping with their fashion shows. And in turn, in doing that, they really shop deeply on Lowe's.com. What's cool is it's all existing stuff we sold, but you know, because the inventory runs deep to take someone with that eye. And I think I have a good eye and see how they curated, like, it's like, wow, this, this stuff's so great. So I went, of course, I was checking it out on Lowe's.com and I'm like, wait a minute, I can, I can buy some of this stuff for myself and not with a discount. I might add, I just shopped it. So, um, I bought two vases that, um, I'm really excited about as I'm, you know, just moved into a new house I'm decorating. And Avery has really wanted, because it's very trendy. If you're a teenager to have one of those big fake, artificial plant so she was just texting me before when is it coming so Sarah I feel like you'll appreciate this we did a buy online pick up in store order go omni-channel so we'll be picking that up probably later today or tomorrow
1: (laughs) the instant gratification cannot be beat Mm -hmm. I I feel like the people where I do the buy online pick up in store and I'm very promiscuous in my my retail habits I feel like they all know me At this point, like, it doesn't matter which, which store I'm going to. They're like, yo, hey, Sarah, I'm like, do a market research. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) You in the Lowe's
2: parking lot. Yeah, really. Frequently. Getting a reputation, Sarah. We are so grateful for your time. We know all the things that you probably have on your plate. And thank you for sharing all of your wisdom. Our listeners,
3: I'm sure, will leave as more courageous marketers. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you. I couldn't think of two people I'd rather do this with more. So this is power couple right here. Thanks for
2: listening. Please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow
1: us on
0: Spotify and Google Podcasts. And
1: don't forget to share this link with a friend.